Please be advised that this episode may contain strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to What the Forks, a podcast in which we revisit a teenage obsession, Stephanie Meyer's Twilight Saga. We're finding out if our love for this series will shine eternal or crumble to ash under close inspection. I'm Isaac. I'm Chloe, and today we're talking about the first section of Breaking Dawn, the fourth and final novel in the saga. I really want some intro music, like, ta-da! There will have been intro music, we just don't have it here in person. No, but you know what I mean, like, oh. this is a special, we're doing Breaking Dawn. <laughs> yes. Something like that. How have you been? Pretty good. This is our first evening record. Yeah. And it's dark outside. It's late. I'm quite tired. Brilliant. Just bring that into the episode. If you could just take this one for me, I'm just going <laughs> to curl up over here. Do you really think Breaking Dawn is the best subject matter to be talking about when you're tired? To leave you... Oh, I was going to say to leave you unsupervised with. <laughs> oh, no. Because when you wake up, it'll be completely, like, demolished. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually quite anxious for the edit because <laughs> I'm going to be sitting there thinking, what on earth were we talking about? <laughs> How are you feeling going into Breaking Dawn? I am so excited to read something that isn't Twilight. <laughs> when you said just now in the intro, the fourth and final book, yeah, I was a little bit like, it's an ending. It's a completion. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to call it a climax, but... <laughs> well, no, we definitely don't get there. But it does stop. <laughs> and sometimes you've just got to be grateful for that. <laughs> what do you remember of Breaking Dawn? So imagine two 14-year-olds. They've pre-ordered together this book. And they've been waiting and waiting and waiting. We were ready. It's that anticipation that real excitement Mm. and hunger for the next part of this story i don't know when i last felt that the day it came to the lincoln waterstones you and i together got a lift and we collected our hardback copies i remember holding them yeah we're holding them looking at them started reading them i remember that branch of waterstones so clearly me too like i know the layout and i don't know if it's still the same layout it probably isn't I was just so, so keen for it. It was so exciting. And it was such a good moment. Yeah. And I really don't know when the last time I had that for a book was. It's a wonderful thing to have. It is a wonderful thing to have. That feeling of of being so excited when you've invested in a set of characters. Yeah. The closest thing now... Is Avengers. I was going to say Game of Thrones, which is finished now. But that's maybe a comparable feeling. The eighth and final season of Game of Thrones has been broadcast as I've been reading Breaking Dawn and making my notes this time around. So that was the first thing that sprung to my mind. And it it feels like a similar kind of feeling of every week being really anxious and excited Mm. because I've invested in these characters and I can't wait to see the next instalment of their journey. Yeah, and then being bitterly disappointed. You know what? I have not been. Oh, you're like the only person then. Mm, they're they're out there. They're just quieter. It's not that I'm not a fan. I I really want to be in like my forties and fifties where I go. You know what? I'm gonna watch Game of Thrones. Wow, you have a life plan for yeah. when you're gonna watch Game of Thrones. Yeah, I respect that. Thank you, know? you. So is that your main memory collecting it? And then you ringing me because you always read faster than I do, <laughs> and you ringing me going, "Oh, you're not gonna like this. <laughs> oh, this happened. You're not gonna like this." 
I didn't no, you spoil didn't. it. No. You were like, you couldn't. And when I'm really passionately invested in something, I don't want to get spoilers. But when I genuinely don't give a fuck, I will demand to know every little bit You are detail. one of the few people I know in the world who actually <laughs> likes spoilers. Yeah, I love them. You I need to know. We'll go see films and you're looking for the ending before we've even sat before down. Before the credits have even started. Yeah. <laughs> New character walks on screen, you're like, but how are they going to die? Yeah. I remember uh, my cousin Amanda was living with us at the time. Mm-hmm. And she's, I feel like she's approximately eight years older than I am. If she listens to this, she will be mad that <laughs> I don't know really, her age. Really, really <laughs> anyway, she had not yet read any of the Twilight books, but later on did. But I remember bouncing off the walls. I was so excited. And I used to like rush into Amanda's bedroom and just vent and talk to her about everything that was going on and then go straight back to my bedroom and start reading again. Like I remember reading through the night and just really consuming this information and and the information about what was happening to the characters, the story. It was brilliant. And I think that's a really... That's so sweet. It's a great thing for young people to have. I think it still happens. I hope it still I happens. Hope so. I really hope if I ever have children that there's a book that they love yeah. and they run in the room to tell me. Something about such a big book as well. Yeah. Like the weight of it. Do you remember? It's heavy. The neck ache. When you're reading so much yeah. and you're reading over a long period of time and it's probably my the first time, that and the Harry Potter books, like the first times of really experiencing that like cracking open a hardback and having that real weight. Yeah. That's so sweet though. That's really lovely. Are you ready? Breaking Dawn, part one, chapters one to seven. So we start with a preface in which Bella is in danger, standard, but this time she loves the one who's killing her. You're making a face, but honestly, I think it's my favourite preface so far. It actually sets up the story really nicely. It's relevant and intriguing. Mm. Okay. The night before her wedding, Bella has a nightmare about an immortal child, which is a piece of vampire history that she's learned from Carlisle. Many years before Carlisle was born, vampires would create new vampires from infants, from young children, and the result would be these beautiful, deadly, untrainable creatures. Killer babies. The Volturi destroyed all of the children and their creators, and that's how Tanya, Kate, and Irina's mother died. She was executed for creating an immortal child. Do you not think this is really clumpy, though? Oh, the exposition is, yeah. Uh, Oh, by the way, just to put it out there... Because I'm not going to say that it is, but (laughs) this might be relevant to the plot later on in the book. Never mentioned immortal children before. It's a little bit like, you know when you're watching TV and you get the previously on? Mm. And... Based on what they show you in the previously on, you know on, exactly what the episode's. Gonna you know be about. what's going to happen, yeah. yeah. Because if it's like previously on, like, oh, Gabriella's being having an affair with the gardener. You're like, oh well. <laughs> I love that your first thought was to go to desperate housewives. So when we hear that, I'm like, well, Carlos is going to find out in this episode. Yeah. What's Lynette and Bree, Bree and, and what? Susan? Yes, I was literally just going to say Terry Hatcher. I was like, <laughs> those are the desperate housewives. You've got Gabrielle, you've got Lynette, you've got Brie, and you've got Terry Hatcher. <laughs> She's dreaming about immortals, killer babies. We learn through this a little tidbit of information 
and that vampires remain frozen at the level of development they achieve before being bitten. So if an eight-year-old is turned into a vampire, they are always going to have the impulses and desires and maturity of an eight-year-old. So it stands to reason, as far as I'm concerned, that Edward, as we have suspected, yeah. is a 17-year-old. Yeah, could you imagine being trapped in your 17-year-old self forever? That'd be horrendous. That doesn't bear thinking about, honestly. <laughs> I was a twat at 17. Were you? Think, did I bleach my hair again at 17? Oh, you did many things. Mm. We were both twats at 17. Mm-hmm. In Bella's dream, a gorgeous little boy with red eyes sits atop a pile of corpses made up of Bella's friends and family. It's a fun image. It's a cool image. It's it's a cool image. I don't maybe I don't mean fun. I don't mean fun like <laughs> yippee. All your friends and family are dead. But look at this cute killer baby you get. Yeah. It's a haunting image mm. and an effective one, I feel. She names all the people she can see in the pile. Great. The next day, Bella... Just, but the, sorry. No, go. <laughs> She's naming them so we remember. These are the characters in the story, just in case you've forgotten. Okay, but every instalment in any no, kind of saga does this. I don't believe this. in it. If we were ever to write an instalment, we would not do this. But all We of... have to trust that the people will read from start to finish. But remember... At the time of release, mm. it could have been a year or more since the last novel. You're not going to forget who Harry, Hermione and Ron are, are you? No, but we still... Okay, it stops in the later Harry Potter books, but mm. still in, like, book four, knew. in the Goblet of Fire, you still get the boy wizard, Harry Potter. The boy wizard. So this is the equivalent. Yeah, but we're at the full The psycho book. vampire lover, Bella Swan. <laughs> that would really cover it. That would really... That's all that needed to be on the blurb. The following day, Bella and Edward are married in a beautiful ceremony at the Cullen House. Wait! The car! Yeah, I decided that was irrelevant. Well, like, because everybody forgets about it, but... Nobody forgets about it. I didn't forget about it. Oh, I forgot about it. Was it was called the... <laughs> Come on. No, I will remember. <laughs> no, I didn't forget about it. <laughs> it's called the Mercedes Guardian. And I remembered, because I looked it up, because I don't know cars, and I wondered if it was real. It's not. Apparently, it's based on one. <laughs> it's got four wheels, a couple of doors, a windscreen. So the following day, Bella and Edward are married in a beautiful ceremony at the Cullen House. That she had no part in. To Bella's surprise, Jacob shows up at the reception, <gasps> meeting Bella out in the woods for a dance. I'm so surprised. But truly surprising, after the end of Eclipse... He was running to Canada, potentially to never be human again. Mm. And then here he is, human in the woods. He, you know, he loves her. He does. But he has to be dragged away by the pack because he loses control of his temper when Bella reveals that she intends to have a real honeymoon with Edward, something Jake is sure will kill her. He's heard about all that vampire skull crushing. <laughs> but how dare he ruin her wedding? Like, that shit. Well... That's not okay. I mean, did he ruin it? Yeah. No. Yeah. It wasn't ruined. No, it was ruined. So Bella says goodbye to her parents Bye. for what she believes will be the final time. She won't be able to see them again once she's become a vampire. Because bloodlust. So then the newlyweds go off on honeymoon to Isle Esme, an island off the coast of Brazil, which Carlisle bought as a gift for Esme. <laughs> what is it? Isle Esme! It's a shit name, isn't it's it? It's so shit. Here is... Isle Chloe. Do you think that's better? Yeah. They have sex for the first time. The next morning, Bella is badly bruised but alive and very happy. 
Edward is very upset that he hurt Bella, and despite her wanting to do it again, he plans lots of honeymoon activities to keep her occupied <laughs> and out of the bedroom. Why, do, why does that make you giggle? Because it would never work. <laughs> well, it doesn't, really. Well, no, exactly. She guilts him into it. Well, it's just she likes to do so. She like, pounces on him. No, that doesn't work. She has to cry. Oh, yes. Mm. Yeah. She has to cry to make her husband fuck her. I don't know if it's inappropriate for us to be laughing at this. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I, um, I get it to an extent. The feeling of rejection, the feeling of you don't want to touch me. Oh, no, I'm I'm kind of on Bella's side on this one. Oh, good, yeah, good. No, yeah. Edward's being a bit of a cunt. He's just being a bit of a baby about it all. Yeah, like, I mean, it could be the fact that he just doesn't like it. He's twi curious, yeah. I'm going to stick with. But he thinks that he's just locked himself into this lifelong sexual partnership and, you know... He's biting a pillow, but what he really wants to be doing is <laughs> biting a pillow. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Over the course of their honeymoon, Bella's having these vivid dreams and recurring nightmares of the immortal child. She's Very subtle. She's easily tired and unusually hungry and emotional. After 17 days of honeymooning, Bella realises that her period is five days late. And here is where the entire saga just crumbles and is ruined. Oh my god, Chloe, <laughs> really? <laughs> this moment. This moment. In many ways, I feel this moment is where it just begins. True. And like, I'm entitled to change my opinion. But the way that this first part is built up, you just think, you've ruined it. When you originally read it... Furious. You were really angry about this. You rang me and you were like, oh, you're not going to like how tight. So I knew that you wouldn't like... A baby. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I think I said it. She's pregnant. She's also way more pregnant than a normal human would be at this point. It's like the minute she realises she gets a kick. Well, yeah. It's magic, Chloe. There mm, are vampires. Because of She's... his venomous sperm. Is it... well, well, yes. Yes, essentially. Though we don't know that at this point. I don't think. Well, do we? I don't know what we know. Every other bit of him is venomous. Edward makes plans for them to return to Forks at once so that Carlisle can abort the pregnancy protecting Bella. But Bella is already in love with her unborn child. She has to protect it. She phones Rosalie. I'm getting married in the morning. Ding Ding dong, the bells are gonna chime. Weddings. I know we talked about marriage previously, Mm -hmm. but this is just the ceremony we're going to discuss. Yeah. I'm in two minds about the fact that Bella had no say or input in her wedding. Because in one sense, fuck yeah, if your boyfriend's family's loaded and they're willing to do whatever. That's the thing. Cool. Don't have to stress about that. But then you don't get your own personality. Well, this is what I always think when I'm watching Don't Tell the Bride. Great show. Seeing other people ruin their weddings. Well, I just wonder why you marry a man who knows so little about you. Yeah, that it's quite infuriating, but fun. Good entertainment. Oh, yeah. I, to be honest, haven't watched them in ages, but in the lead up to me getting married, I watched all of that <laughs> stuff. So much of it. And just thought, to make yourself feel better? Well, kind of. Yeah. We had 18 months to plan our wedding, and I'm like, how do you do it in three weeks? No idea. It's not possible. Well, that's why they get the man to do it, because I'll be like, mm, all right. Yeah, well, then it's all his fault. Yeah. And Alice says that it's actually in the style of Edward, the wedding, because mm. it's traditional. And I was like, mm, okay. So is your concern that there's just not a lot of Bella yeah. in that wedding? 
And that's how she wants it. But then walking down the aisle, she realises that this is what she wants. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, now. Thinking back on our discussion of marriage Mm. and proposals, we talked a little bit about Bella's resistance. And Bella said she was raised to recoil at the idea of marriage or, or something like that. Yeah. Given Charlie and Renee's actual reactions, I just don't believe that's true. She's a liar. They are both. I mean, Charlie's being his, you know, macho self, (laughs) all like gruff and avoiding the feels. But they are incredibly supportive and thrilled to be there. Which, as with much of this book, begs the question, what is wrong with Bella? What is her problem? (sighs) What isn't her problem is the actual question. Then Bella realises she does actually want to get married and is very happy about all of this when she gets to the altar. Which is lucky, because it's happening. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, I found the whole thing quite sweet. I know you did. It makes me sick. I did. I smiled a lot while I was reading it. Yeah, I really wasn't a fan of of this part. But I thought the wedding had like a nice community feel to it. You get to see all the old faces. Jess is there. Jess is there. Back together with Mike. Yeah, she can do better. She can do so much better. What? They had a big fight. They broke up. We've then heard nothing, obviously, because Bella is selfish. When did she get back? She gave them the concert tickets. Do you remember that? Yeah. So what? Like, they went to one concert together? What was the That's concert? what it takes. Jess can do so much better. So, and she will. She's going to go to college. She's going to realise. That's true. It's fine. Yeah. Jess is going to be fine. That's what's important. Yeah. Jess is fine. Jess is fine. It doesn't matter what happens for the rest of this novel, nope. frankly, actually. The important thing is, is that we all know and understand. Jess is fine. She's doing okay. And then Jacob turns up to the wedding. And he ruins the whole thing. I didn't think he did. I thought if it my, was... If you turned up to my wedding, mm-hmm. having not approved of the match, you turned up and I'm like, thank you so much. Like This is an important day. Of course you can't miss it. Mm-hmm. And then you go, hang on a second. You're going to have sex with him. How dare you? You get so angry that you start... Shaking with rage, men um, have to peel you off of me. I don't think I could black that out. But that she does. Ru- no, she doesn't. It takes some time. It takes like two dances. <laughs> oh no, she doesn't forget because there's a howl at the end of the of the book. Ugh, yes, because he's the, whining. He's a whiny little bitch. He. Do you think he genuinely believes that Bella's life is in danger? No. How how much of this is about his concern for Bella and how much is about his ownership of her body? I'm thinking 70-30 and 70 being ownership of her body. I think I agree. Honestly, if you did that, if you acted like that, that would ruin my day. Okay. You couldn't not think about it. No, it's fair. I agree that he shouldn't be there. I was just glad that I personally didn't feel that it overshadowed what a nice day it was. It didn't rain in Forks, which is the equivalent of having a Christmas episode of a TV show and it snows at the end, which is a miracle because we're in Dubai. You know what I mean? (laughs) Unrealistic. That's the real problem here. Mm. So, in conclusion, you didn't like the wedding and I did? Is that it? Is that what we're learning from this? Yeah. If we had both been invited, you would have gone and I probably wouldn't have. Really? No, I totally would have wanted to see it. Especially because they've got that big house and you've only seen it that one time and that was a great party. Yeah. And, like, some of their weird cousins are going to come. Who did the music? Rosalie played piano. She's the second best musician in the family. Nothing about catering. 
Do you think Charlie's favourite restaurant, that sounds a bit shit, did it? You know, the one he makes her go to after graduation? Or has Esme cooked? I'm sure Esme cooked, although I'm sure that they, they, they're very good hosts. Mm. I'll give them that. Excellent hosts. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things. Virginity. Back in Twilight, it was a bit ambiguous about whether or not Edward is a virgin or not. I don't think it was that ambiguous. It was to me. She asked him and he didn't really provide an answer. So I was like, "Mm, okay, he's been alive a while. He's definitely been a bit wild. But now I apologise. I (laughs) apologise to Edward Cullen and his representatives and anyone who has been offended by my insinuation. So I want to talk about virginity as a concept. This is the moment we see them both lose their virginity. It's been a long time coming. Right. We've been gearing for it. We've been wanting it. We don't really get a great description of it either. Mm, okay. No, like I suppose it's not too detailed. Well, it does hence do. Hence why the Fifty Shades had to be written. Chloe, Fifty Shades did not have to be written. <laughs> no. Nobody needed that. No. What interests me is how important it is to Bella. That mm. carries a lot of meaning. And... It's not that I don't think that it should, but I personally don't believe in virginity. So I looked it up. I looked up a dictionary definition of virginity, and it's the state of never having had sexual intercourse. Mm -hmm. But if you're giving meaning to the idea of virginity, then that is a very limited definition to have. Because while intercourse is sex, sex is not always intercourse. Yeah. There are lots of things that you can be doing with another person that is sex. And to define virginity in those terms mean that you're a virgin until you have either penetrated or been penetrated by another person. And... I think that's just another example of the way that, as a society, our discussions around sex have been limited by a disproportionate focus on the pleasure of cisgender men. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) I think your virginity is personal. It only really exists or has any meaning if we give it meaning. Mm. So I personally don't believe in virginity for myself. I can think back on several sexual experiences that were firsts for me, but I didn't necessarily feel changed by them. And if loss of virginity is supposed to be just a loss of innocence or naivety, then that ship had sailed long before (laughs) I was actually intimate with another person. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I think that's the shock that everybody has once they have lost their virginity is the fact that they haven't changed. Yeah. You wake up the next morning and your body might ache, but you haven't changed. Exactly. And I think that what you really want is just a sense of warmth and trust and fun. Mm. And I think quite often that can be missing. I think that's missing from Bella's experience. And I think at least part of that is because of the weight of this mythical virginity Mm. kind of looming over that makes this an occasion Because it's really important to Bella. There's this anticipation that she builds up. She says she wanted a real honeymoon with Edward. And despite the danger he feared this would put me in, he'd agreed to try. Obviously, the stakes are higher because this could be dangerous. Obviously, in terms of this story, we're supposed to not disregard that. And we're supposed to take that very seriously. (laughs) That This could be dangerous, but I just can't. I feel like Edward needs to take responsibility for that and should be able to have sex without hurting Bella. So whatever. 
At the airport, Bella says that she guessed that we were off to find a hotel before the next leg of our journey. A sharp twinge of something very close to stage fright twisted in the pit of my stomach. And then when they reached the house on Isle Esme, she says the stage fright attacked again more forcefully than before. And that struck me because stage fright is a very particular kind of anxiety. Mm. It's the feeling of being exposed before an audience. It's not the kind of feeling that you get in an intimate space. It's not stage fright, but it is that, like, the butterflies, the, oh my yes. God, the, the yeah. anticipation. I don't know, nothing's by accident. So oh. we have to assume. I find that stage fright implies a distance and a formality. And that's turned it into a performance or like an audition. It's where you're presenting yourself for judgment. So really, Bella's preempting the fact that she's going to have to fake it. I think it's not about that. She's not anxious about not enjoying the experience. She's anxious about judgment. From him? Yeah, because if you're feeling stage fright before mm. going on stage, you're not thinking, True. what if I Very don't have true. fun on the stage? You're, you're thinking, thinking, what if they don't enjoy watching me? Yeah. I don't think it's coming from Edward, though. I agree. Yeah. I feel it's coming from themselves. They have had this conversation at the end of Eclipse. Mm -hmm. There are expectations. Yes, he's from a certain time, so mm. he has a certain kind of set of values. Yeah. That weird chat about virtue. Mm. So she knows that it's important to him. This is going to be a transitional moment for him, mm -hmm. just as it is for her. I think it also comes from the belief of, or the particular fixation that certain groups, certain people have on waiting until you're married to have sex. <laughs> I'm not going to just shit talk that. Like, that works for many people and is great. And if you think that that is the right thing for you, absolutely. No, yeah, that's your, you know, everybody's allowed their opinions and yeah. their beliefs. And, and if that's going to make you more comfortable, absolutely. Go ahead, yeah. But culturally, a honeymoon is, is actually a really weird thing. Like there's, So there's the moment where Bella opens her bag and Alice has just packed a bag full of lingerie. Yeah. Everyone knows what they are going to do that yes. night. Yes, yeah. And that adds another level to this self-consciousness. We all expect a couple on their honeymoon to be having sex. And it's one of the few times in life where your sexual activities seem to be kind of expected and almost cheered on yeah. openly by those around you. Yeah. And that's a lot of pressure for your first time. And she is afraid. Bella says, I was freaking out because I had no idea how to do this. And I was afraid to walk out of this room and face the unknown. There's that moment uh, when she walks in and it's really hot because mm -hmm. Edward has heated up the room. Yeah. Because he knows that she's going to be naked with him and that's going to be uncomfortable. It's just every little thing is like, this is going to happen, this yeah. is going to happen. But could you imagine if it didn't happen? That would be a bit mortifying, would it not? Probably. That would probably be, be more mortifying. I'm just trying to think it from my perspective. If I've just got married, everybody's expecting you to, you're both expecting to, and if you don't... But I think that's more common than Oh, I'm we sure. Know. Like, I'm sure it's just like you are exhausted. It's been a day of yeah. just... I have a colleague at work who was telling me about his wedding night. The dress that his wife was in was, it was such a beautiful, intricate thing that was all kind of laced up at the back <laughs> and hooks and the hair. Everything was just so perfect that it was early hours of the morning. They get up to the room. It's like, takes them <laughs> half an hour to get his wife out of this corset. 
and you just collapse and go to sleep and that's it. I mean, that's the wedding night. You then still yeah. have a honeymoon, so every, there is but still that expectation. people expect you on the wedding night. Oh, did you consummate the marriage? Consummate the marriage, mm. yeah. And yeah. I suppose it comes from really old traditions. Yeah. It's funny because um, my boyfriend and I this weekend had a conversation about marriage and he asked who would give me away. Oh, yeah. I said, absolutely no one. No. I'm walking down that aisle by myself. Yeah. I don't want anybody to give me away. Or the two of you together. Or you no. don't need to walk down the aisle at all. No, that's true. I probably won't be going down an aisle, but... I imagine you being propelled by <laughs> a floor lift, like Katy Perry style. Yes, and just being there like, hey, Maybe hey like trampoline. There'll be a trap door with a trampoline beneath it, and you're going to like bounce up and land. <sighs> Or drop from the ceiling on silks. Yeah. You've got so many options other than being walked down the aisle. Absolutely. But yeah, no one's walking me down the aisle. I want to know what you feel about this little paragraph of Bella's. Um, I'm just going to hit the key points. How do people do this with less than the absolute commitment Edward had given me? If it weren't Edward out there, if I didn't know in every cell of my body that he loved me as much as I loved him, I'd never be able to get up off this floor. Forgot about that. So specifically, there's more to that paragraph than that. Shaming me. (laughs) So I felt that too, and I'm wondering if we're just being too sensitive. I have mixed feelings about it. It's another moment, thinking back to Twilight, where we got that little hint of Maya through Edward telling us that Mm -hmm. God made everything and evolution. You know, he finds it hard to believe that evolution made everything, or whatever the line is. This is a very clear message from Maya. Yeah. Sex before marriage is just not a good idea. Yeah, and other sexual partners apart from your husband is not really acceptable. It's not going as far to say morally wrong, but Bella is saying, how do people do this? I do feel a little judged by the question, how do people do this? Yeah, to be honest, Bella, I'm going to tell you, it's really fun. (laughs) It's easy, actually. It's actually one of the easiest things I've ever had to do. <laughs> I know Maya hasn't been fucked properly. Oh, why? Okay. <laughs> I like how you say that as though you're the one for the job. I feel like I am. Mm. Anytime. Mm. Come round. You could do that for her. I'll warm the room up. Oh. <laughs> I'll put Claire de Lune on. I know that the judgment that I'm feeling from this... Little paragraph. You were being judged. By Bella. I know that it's Bella's judgment because the story... Edward would probably agree with her. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But the story is told through Bella's character, but the character is designed for us, the readers, to relate to. Yeah. So I can only assume that we're kind of intended to nod along to this. We're supposed to be going like, Well, I didn't even pick that paragraph out. You didn't notice it? No. Even on on this read? Yeah. Because, I mean, I imagine at the time, I was probably nodding along going, oh, yeah, how do do people, so many people do that. But actually, yeah, I would need to know that I was fully in love and we were so in love. Sometimes I don't even know their name. On the other hand, just to kind of defend Bella a little bit. Oh, yeah, because why not? Sex and love are a great combination. Oh, absolutely. And it does work out for Bella. Bella has a great time. And I think that the idea that you should only have sex with someone you trust and feel love for True. is a pretty good message to be sending Very to young good women. Message, yeah. I just wish that Bella's tone allowed a little more room for understanding that it's okay to explore and express your sexuality without this intense lifelong commitment. The only thing that I have a problem with is that it's all missionary. You don't know that. 
Mm. None of us know that. It's always the headboard. She was bruised all over her body. Which it does have... There are problems about that as well. Yeah. But I really don't have the energy to go into it right now. <laughs> <laughs> so she doesn't feel the pain. She just gets a bit achy afterwards. Maybe it's not that bad. I, I don't know. It's just that it's very uncomfortable, isn't it? Yeah. Like, she's been physically harmed. She yeah. has. It's difficult. But she has had a great time. And she is our protagonist. She She doesn't feel violated. No, she's our first person narrator. So yeah, actually, maybe I shouldn't be kink shaming. No, no, kink. Ah, is But the thing is, we don't know that. And of course, it's not going to have been written. And maybe it's not going to have been intended by the author. But that Mm. doesn't stop us from finding it. There is plenty of stuff there, I feel, that suggests a great night of sex. Is just Edward in the morning has Mm. all his, like regrets about it but in terms of the marks left on bella's body if she's into it and she's been enjoying it then i'm not gonna suppose yeah that's true we shouldn't be yucking her yum unbelievably bella came no she didn't she did she didn't she said it was wonderful and perfect for a human well i can't imagine life gets any better than that that's an orgasm you don't know that but I feel it. <laughs> I really do, Chloe. <laughs> she says life can't get any better than that. It could mean orgasm or it could just mean the intimacy of being in love with someone. Oh, I don't know. I think she came. And I think that is extremely unrealistic. But I feel like we're supposed to believe she did. I think we're supposed to believe that, spoiler alert, when she becomes a vamp. That she always comes over and over and over and over and over again. They just can't stop. Hmm. Maybe she just comes harder as a vampire. And by come, I obviously mean orgasm, because mm. once you're a vampire, there you are can't no fluids. Come. Yeah. Well, apparently there's this semen that can impregnate, but that's... Oh my God, yes, of course. Never mind. Yeah. Wait, so they... Oh, we'll they get... can't... He can come, but he can't cry. <laughs> now... That is the most perfect metaphor for toxic masculinity I've found in these books. Wow, that's the problem with men in these books. They can come, but they can't cry. God, that's good. My only um, final little note I had about the topic of virginity in this this section Mm. is that Edward had the sex talk with his dad and his brothers. Yeah, like now? Oh, but it wasn't the sex talk. It was like... No, it was. I'm going to find it. Okay. I spoke to Carlisle after you and I made our bargain, hoping he could help me. Of course, he warned me that this would be very dangerous for you. He had faith in me, though. Faith I didn't deserve. That was just him hating himself. Oh, my God. Don't worry. Your penis will not destroy her. Trust me. I also asked him what I should expect. I didn't know what it would be for me. What with my being a vampire... (laughs) Oh, God. It's just so awkward. Like, that's his 23-year-old dad as well. So it's like, is he really... I just don't know. Carlisle told me it was a very powerful thing, like nothing else. He told me physical love was something I should not treat lightly. It's it's such a big deal. Mm. I don't know. Am I being too trivial about sex? Did you feel changed? Did you feel different? Because I honestly didn't. No, well, th- this is what I said before. Like, it's never the way you think it's going to go. And then afterwards, I remember going, is that it? Not because it was yeah. awful, but I was like, all the hype, all the fear, all the horror stories, all the amazing stories. 
And then when you have your own experience, you're like, oh my God. Did you feel like a different person? Did no. you feel like, you almost feel as though it's going to unlock a door to like In a world ways, of knowledge. Yeah, and you think you can learn something about yourself. Mm. But I'm telling you right now, you do not learn anything about yourself after the first time. You just go, no. oh my God. And there's the myth that people will be able to tell. Well, I did, because we had a drama trip the next day. We went to see Woman in Black with our whole drama oh, group. Oh, yeah. And I was like, everybody's going to know. Yeah. Everybody's going to know. No one knew. If you've not had sex, you think that people can tell you've not had sex. Yeah. If you have, have had sex, sex, people think you can tell. My mum knew, though, straight away when I got back in the car. That's creepy. Mm. Mothers know these things, though. My mum's a cellular pathologist, uh, so I was sat in her office and she works at a microscope. And I always remember her looking over the microscope and just going... We're not daft, Isaac. <gasps> that was after I'd spent my first summer living in London and she was checking that I was being careful with the boys I was meeting. <gasps> oh my God, I don't know if she said that. Yeah. It was with a smile, yeah, oh, but it was just like... Oh, okay. Oh, I hope I get to say that to my child. <laughs> you will. Yeah. He spoke to his brothers as well. Edward. They told me it was a very great pleasure. Second only to drinking human blood. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fucking hell. Just what a couple of lads. It's a very great pleasure. Second only to drinking human blood. They got they're boring. <laughs> also, I, it's not in this paragraph, but I just need to bring it up now in case I forget later on. This is um this is off topic. <laughs> a new thing that I definitely didn't read in any of the other books. Mm. Edward's brothers being referred to as Jazz and <gasps> M. I'm so glad you brought it up. I think I have it in... I think I have it in my For notes. another episode? For another episode. What? Good, okay. The Forks. Can you believe? Jazz and M. Like, Who what? are these people? And also, that I think they're very female names. Oh, I don't care what gender the names no, are. They're just matter. shit. <laughs> I don't believe that Jasper has ever consented to being called Jazz. No, is this like a new little game... They've just started at the wedding. They've just decided, yeah. like, wouldn't it be fun? Does Alice call Jasper Jazz? She does at one point. It's I... not okay. Rosalie calling Emma M. Jazz and M. Yeah, it's horrendous. Yes, those are my feelings about virginity, I think. Obviously, Bella and Edward are our star-crossed lovers. They are meant to be together. So their first time was wonderful and it was all grand. It was. Could you imagine how amazing it would have been if it had been shit? But they're like, okay, this isn't how I thought it was going to go. Let's learn about each other's bodies. Well, that's realistic. Show me where the clit is. What do you do with your excess foreskin? Do you want a butt plug? The answer is always yes. There are so many questions, but that would have been more realistic. Yeah. This is what I'm saying, I suppose, really, is that it's not the fact that they've waited until getting married to have sex. That's fine, and it's it's kind of lovely. I just don't think it's necessary. I don't appreciate the judgment for those who don't. I think the anxiety leading up to the event is a bit of a shame. But it's that is actually realistic. Well, because... this is the other thing I wanted to ask you, actually, mm. is am I reading too much into Bella's anxiety? Because I'm attributing a lot of it to the fact that it's her wedding night mm. and the fact that there's been such a build-up and she's put so much weight on the idea of virginity. Mm. Could you argue that maybe she hasn't and maybe that, regardless of when she would do it, that she would have a similar the level? The first time is always going to be like... <gasps> Okay, this is happening. You know when you uncontrollably shake and you're yeah. not cold? I remember yeah. that. I remember... I remember my 
skirt being taken I remember exactly what I was wearing and I remember my skirt being taken off and I was like oh my god I hadn't done anything with a boy and then one night I did everything with a boy <laughs> you did not pass go you did not collect 200 pounds <laughs> no <laughs> yeah whereas I built my uh, built my houses before my hotels mm. it's a really bizarre metaphor we've built there but um, there you go Welcome to Burning Question Time. Aye, aye, aye. This is the segment in which we set fire to BBC's <laughs> Question Time. My burning question... I don't feel like it's good enough. I'm sorry. But anyway, it's, it's oh, going to have to be. Have some confidence. It will be. You'll pull it off. Just take a deep breath. Okay. Uh, think of... Vampire sex. I was going to go with Jonathan Van Ness, but they rhyme. Mm, I'm not a big fan of him. What? Am I thinking of the same person? You must be thinking of the wrong person. <laughs> it's Jonathan Van Queer Eye. <gasps> oh, I'm so sorry. I was, I was not thinking about him. I was thinking about the guy from Dawson's Creek. What's his name? James Vanderbeek. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, sorry, James Vanderbeek. No, Jonathan, Jonathan Van Ness, yeah. however, is the person who's going to give you the confidence to pull off this burning question. Oh, what a babe. Oh, I know. Ask the question. Are you guaranteed to have an orgasm if you have sex with a vampire? Yeah, no, that was a shit question. (laughs) That's an excellent question. Oh, thank you. Okay, so, are you guaranteed to have an orgasm? I'm talking like every time. Is it a guarantee I'm going to come? I'm going to say yes. I don't think it's like a magical vampire power that they can always make you come. But I think that just as a result of their superhuman stamina and strength... Oh, well, that just means I'll just keep on going. Yes. But what if I don't want that? What if you don't want an orgasm? Is that a thing? I mean, I, honestly, no judgment. That sounded... <laughs> no, I didn't mean that. I meant, what if I was done? Then you would have... It would they have might not have. You would saying that they would just have a great stamina. They'll just keep going and going and going. What if I'm like, yeah, no, you've done your job. Do you... Wait, do you mean... No, wait, I Wait, mean, can you repeat the question? My question was... Are you guaranteed to have an orgasm if you have sex with a vampire? And I'm talking about every time. And you were like, well, yes, because their superpowers are having great strength and amazing, like, Olympic stamina. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm saying, like, if they just keep going and going and going, like... Oh, I see. You might not have an orgasm if they were yeah. doing something wrong. Or I've already had it and they're not stopping. <laughs> but then you are guaranteed to have had an orgasm. Mm. Because you've had one. True. So once you've had the orgasm, goal achieved. So yeah, I'm standing by my answer, despite your challenge. It's possible to have sex with a vampire and for you to be like, stop it. And Mm. they would stop before you'd had an orgasm for whatever reason. Like Mm. you were hungry or Mm. needed a wee. Um, Or someone's about to walk in. Yeah, exactly. So maybe not 100% of the time, but I think that if you desire an orgasm and you are with a vampire who wants to give it to you, you, they can keep going as long as you're awake. That's where I've been going wrong all my life. Mm. You need a vampire. Or something with longer battery life. (laughs) Okay, Chloe, it's time for your final verdict on the novel. (laughs) I suspected that you might not be, but it's time. It's fine. So for the final novel in this saga... Are you a fan of Breaking Dawn today? If I could rip Bella's first book and Jacob's first book, then yes. 
But if you wouldn't allow me to do that, then no. That's half the novel. Mm -hmm. So you really didn't like the first two parts. I really don't like them. But you forget about them. In the third part? Yeah. In fact, you forget about the whole fucking saga. (laughs) (laughs) So your answer is kind of yes. Is it worth reading the first two books to get to the third? No. Oh, so the answer is probably no. No, rip them out, burn them, and then you got yourself an entertaining book. Okay, but with the book as it stands. I just can't stand by the first two books. (laughs) (laughs) For the greater good of our listeners, I cannot do it. (laughs) Would you have encouraged your teenage self to read this book? Are we talking about the whole book? Or are we talking... (laughs) Yes, you cannot just make this whole thing (laughs) about book three of the novel. (laughs) Um, no. You wouldn't have recommended it to your teenage self? No. I'm just thinking out of the four, it's probably not the worst one to recommend. But then that's. Have should... you recommended any of them? <laughs> New Moon did I recommend? <laughs> we both we both had a bit of a funny turn on New yeah. Moon, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, Maybe we'd eaten something. What has <laughs> this entire novel taught you? <laughs> oh. Okay, what's Breaking Dawn taught me? What is it? I just... It hasn't taught me anything. The thing is, there there could be a really well-written book within all of this, within Breaking Dawn. But you, you learnt nothing. No, I'll tell you what. Rereading this book, mm-hmm. I've learnt that I really do want to be a writer. What's the book saying? Help me, Chloe, <laughs> make this a good story. <laughs> but that's good. The book has taught you something about yourself. Yeah. Which is, you want to craft stories. Yes. Exciting. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for the first part of our discussion of the novel Breaking Dawn. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to pull apart the second section of this book, but in the meantime, you can find us on all social media at ForksCast. And you can rate, review and subscribe to What the Forks wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, look after yourselves. And remember, Bella didn't come. She did.